Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say about Phil to describe this was. <laughs> Miller, lovely cushion header. Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Rigi! Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Coffin Fracas. Um, your boy Peter's here, and I'm here with my fellow Bantix brother. Actually, they gave us the control the reins this week, you know, of the main pods. Um, I'm with my, my co-host, my co-host Mike. How you doing? Bro, we're going mainstream now, so they're giving us a little segment on Patreon. <laughs> And now they're trusting us with the main show, so we, we're taking over, brother. Bro, the young guns are taking over. Melio and Batista. Yeah, bro, listen, you know, to <laughs> WrestleMania 21, when Cena and Batista won the championships. Yeah, That's what's yeah, happening, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. What's happening no, bro. I hear it, I hear it. And yeah, man, um, let, let, let's get cracking into it. Obviously, before we actually get into it, I'll obviously promote um, the socials as usual. So follow us on YouTube, Twitter. Um, Instagram, you even got TikTok, um, and yeah, just obviously keep up to date with us and our Patreon as well. You can subscribe there um, for little as three pound a month. You can subscribe. So um, yeah, let's get it cracking. So this week um, it's obviously international break, and last week as well, Liverpool have not been playing. Thank God, you know, and we're getting a break from it because boy, I needed that break from Liverpool because some of the stuff we've been seeing is too scary, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, have you watched much of the international football? Obviously, I know England have played. England played Italy um, and Ukraine. I don't know France played Holland. Um, and yeah, just have you have you caught, caught much of the international football or the ball? Only bits, to be fair. So I caught a bit of the England game. England played Italy. I caught a bit of that, and caught a bit of the Ukraine game as well. But to be honest with you, I've actually found it hard knowing what games are on where. So like. Sky haven't yeah, shown anything, I don't think. Um, BC has shown a few of the games. It's just one of those where, like, I haven't made the effort to try and figure out where the games are. And I've actually, bro, given the season we're having, I've actually enjoyed the break from football, I'll be real. So I just, it's one of those where I've just caught little bits of the games and I've seen the, the little agendas on Twitter that have uh, that have been been running and everyone's having a little fun over the international break, as, as they always do. Yeah, it's true. Um, definitely. I think because the England internationals are on Channel 5 now, isn't it? they've obviously got the, the coverage to it. And then all the other games, I'm not really sure. Like, even today I was watching Spain versus, he was watching Spain versus Scotland, but I wasn't really sure what channel it was on. I was just literally flicking through and I just saw it. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I think with me, so I, I watched the England-Italy game. I watched um, the whole game of that. And then the Ukraine game, I just watched the first half of that one. So, um, like you said, there's been a lot of, talk and topics and agendas on certain players um as always there's always the constant of Jude Bellingham and the kind of talk on him and you think I think he so he started both games um the early game do you know what the early game I thought he actually played quite well in the first half and then second half when um so England I think England went 2-0 up and then obviously it was 2-1 then Shaw gets sent off and then obviously England just kind of they're just sitting in and then I think Jude's kind of like 
um, presence on the pitch kind of fades. He doesn't really get on the ball and he's obviously just sitting in the, in the shape. Um, and yeah, and, and then I, in the Ukraine game, I think it was, it was average, it was okay. I didn't really see him much. Um, I thought Saka, Madison and Kane were probably the standouts. But um, yeah, I don't know. What's your, what's your kind of thoughts on Ben? Because a lot of people, I think, are kind of watching him this national break of like, okay, this is your kind of 100 million player. This is the player that's linked to Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid. Like, show me something. I, I feel like anyway, that's the kind of eye they're watching him with, like in terms of just, okay, this is a supposed player who's going to go for 100 million. Like, can I see the faults in his game? Or like, I don't know. There's, I feel like they're just people are not, they're kind of, wanting to see kind of what he's kind of bad at and wanting to see does he justify this kind of money and I feel like in today's day and age there's probably not there's hardly any midfielders that kind of justify that money so it's very easy to kind of find cracks in a player's game and I, I do think he does have some definitely some things he needs to work on but um I don't know I feel like the kind of talking to him was, it's, it's kind of harsh I think this 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 window you know he's a 19 year old um I know there are definitely some Obviously, players like your Predries, Musiala's are probably better than him, but I don't know. I still feel like he's definitely got a lot of value. I can see why he's the hype is there, but I didn't think his performances for England were that bad. This 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 kind of international break, but yeah, what's your thoughts on the kind of talk and criticism on on Jude Bellingham this kind of international break, bro? It's like what you said in the group chat. He's just getting the treatment that a ninety hundred million pound player would get, right? Where every single thing they cannot do gets overemphasized. So yeah. people, I think, have spent this entire international break thinking of speaking about the things that Jude Bellingham cannot do. Oh, he can't progress play with passing. Oh, he's not a creative player. Oh, he's not that good under pressure, which actually isn't true, by the way. And I've got some stats to prove that isn't true. Um, but look, we're talking about an extremely talented mid- midfielder here, a guy who's very combative, very dynamic, has a nose for goals, and actually technically is much more gifted than people give him credit for. So yeah. people seem to think he's this kind of like really clunky midfielder who isn't good under pressure, et cetera, et cetera. I've actually got some stats here and I, I've done this deliberately because I've seen a lot of people, oh, you can't play under pressure, all of that nonsense. We actually can. So this is from, this, people can't even say Bundesliga attacks on this, right? Because this is like UCL stats, right? So Champions League stats. When Drew Benlam is pressed, his passing gets better, actually. He's able to find the man more when he's pressed. It goes up by like four percent. So when he's pressed, his passing is four percent more accurate than it would be otherwise. So this is not a player who's not press resistant. These numbers also match up another sort of his Bundesliga numbers are pretty similar as well. Like his his passing is generally good even under pressure. So I actually just think with Jude, we have a rough diamond here, a player who has some really good physical attributes and technically is actually really really gifted. And I think we, we hopefully when we sign him, if we sign him, we're going to mold him into the complete player, the complete midfielder. And look, he's never going to be Musiala or Kamavinga or Pedri. Those guys with the ball at their feet are just more talented. They are they, these, these these players are unbelievable on the ball. But I do think Jude will go on to have a really amazing career. It's going to go on to be one of the best midfielders in the world because the raw attributes are all there. And I just think that often football fans, I think Twitter has, has allowed us to micro-analyse football players and constantly focus on what they can't do. And, yeah. like, we're talking about a 19-year-old kid here and thinking about all the things he can't do. But what about the things he can do? What about how mature he is? Yeah. What about how many tactical roles he can fulfil? What about how well he wins his duels? What about how, how powerful a runner he is? What about the way he carries the ball? And, yeah, people can demean these 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 traits. They'll be like, oh, just PMP. But, like, these are really valuable traits for a 19-year-old kid to have in midfield. We're talking about a kid who has come up against Man City and looked like one of the best midfielders in the pitch and come up against, you know, really good opposition in Champions League and, and, and Sean. And yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you know me, bro. I'm a big fan of his. And I think I have a preference or, or like I have a real bias towards that kind of player because I really value the kind of combative side of the game and I really do value the the aggression he shows at times. and I, I really do value the goals he's able to score and all of those sorts of things. And yeah, man, look, I'm excited for us to sign him. I know people are going to, Get on his back, and and that and that's that's part of the business. I think he has to he has to kind of firm it to be honest with you, because look, Pogba got it. You know, players who, who who go for for big money get that kind of treatment, and he has to deal with it. But I have absolutely no doubt that if and when we sign him, he's going to be an absolute superstar for us. Yeah, um, definitely very well put. Um, like you said, I think definitely people are focusing on what he can't do instead of what he can do, um, and like. I think let, let's let's get into it because obviously it's just us. Let's have a conversation. Well, what what type of a filter do you think he is? Because 
there's this kind of conversation where it's like, I feel like the mainstream media are kind of like saying that he's this kind of box to box who can kind of do it all, you know, win a tackle at the edge of the box, then drive and kind of score a goal. And then like, I'm seeing some takes on Twitter where it's like, he's the kind of like, he's a diamond or like, he's a like, what's the word? Like, he's the kind of like, he's the icing on a cake type of player where it's like, he's a final third type of player. He's like, a, not a 10, but like he's an eight who arrives late in the box. He's kind of a player that you'd want to be as your most advanced midfielder. But what type of profile do you see him as? Because I would, in my opinion, I probably think he's probably best in like a three. And I think he can do the box to box thing. Um, I think he can, he could be molded into definitely a box to box player um, for sure. I think he's very moldable. He's actually so kind of moldable. But at this moment in time, I would probably say he's probably the most advanced midfielder. His best role is probably the most advanced midfielder in a three. But um, I think he can do both quite well because the only thing I'll say that is because I feel like in the final third, I feel like he's fantastic in terms of like, and I don't really like when people just say he's just PMP because. I feel like he makes the right decisions when he's on the ball because a lot of these PMP type of guys, it's by the athletic traits that um, they kind of get themselves into situations. But for like, obviously a person of like kind of his athletic size, he's got really tidy feet. And what you're saying about him kind of getting under pre- out, of, um, out of pressure and out of, out of getting out of like presses, I feel like it's because he's kind of got really quick, agile, tidy feet where he can literally like shift it onto another foot, get past the player, or he can shift it you know what I'm saying, dummy and then get past that type of thing. So I feel like he's really good with that. When he's in the final third, I really trust him to kind of play that final ball. Um, the goal for in the World Cup against Senegal, where he laid it into Henderson and Henderson scored, again, like that's perfect in terms of having that final ball. He's really calm and composed in the box. I think he's got like 10 goals for Dortmund this year, um, like four or five of them in the Champions League. Mm, yeah, I just feel like his best attributes are probably in the final third, but... He's also, I think he's comfortable. I would say he's not like awkward in the first phase, but he's just like comfortable. He can improve. I wouldn't say he's as good as like um, some of his peers, but like he's just comfortable. But right now, I'd probably say probably the most advanced midfielder and like a three. But what, what do you what do you think his profile is? Yeah, bro. I think you profiled him well. I think he is a middle phase and third and final phase player. Like he's not a sort of player. And I think his profile is a bit of a throwback to like the yeah. Lampard's and Gerrard's. I don't think he's he's no look he's, he's nowhere near as good as Lampard and Gerrard. We're talking about two of the greatest English midfielders ever, probably. But like he's of that build where like he's a bit of a throwback in that he's a midfielder you hope can be molded into like a an all action do everything midfielder. I think his play in the first phase obviously is not the best, but like Lampard and Gerrard are like nineteen. Probably weren't receiving on centre backs and dictating play at their like, age. It's not. It's, it's not terrible though. It's not. It's not terrible. Like, so like, I feel like people are saying it's like he's almost like a kind of like a vulnerable. Like you target him when he gets the ball and turn on. He's not that bad at it. Like if you, if you press him, like if a lot of people press him, obviously you might get the ball. But majority of the times he'll keep the ball. Like he's yeah, not he's shifting it, and he's yeah. you know what it is as well. He's strong, so like he he's not a sort of player that you can like bully off the ball. Like no. you might nick it off him, but like he's he, he like, he's not. People act like he's like a proper bozo in the first phase, where like he can't do anything in the first phase. Like, bro, he plays as a double pivot player for Dortmund. Sometimes he has to yeah. receive it in the first phase. Sometimes, like he, he can do it. It's just not something he's super super like. Yeah, I'm the man. I'm Michael Carrick. I'm, I'm Busquets. I'm going to receive it with centre backs and start threading it through the lines. That's not really his game, but he can do it. But I think it's definitely side of his game. He will improve, but. For me, he does a lot of his best work in the middle phase, whether it's winning duels, whether it's just general midfield play in the first, in the middle phase. And then the, the, the final phase, I guess, is where he has made his name, where he's making those marauding runs, where he's driving with the ball, where he's, you know, scoring goals. And, and I think he's shown good feet when it comes to scoring goals instead of maybe beating a man that's getting a, getting a shot off and getting a goal in or those kind yeah. of third man, Lampard, Stephen Jard runs. So, yeah, look, I'm a big fan of the profile of the, of the kid, man. I think he's... I think he he's got a lot in terms of the midfield, the final phase and mid and, and middle phase bits especially. He's got he's got like a lot of the things I would want in the midfielder and a lot of the things we need in the midfielder. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, like, like we said, I just feel like it's people are just watching him with that kind of heavy eye of like, okay, this is a hundred million. Um, show me kind of what you're worth or like, is he as good as someone says on Twitter type of thing? Um, and obviously, obviously, won't live up to that reputation. I feel like, it's, especially, it's very hard as we see in Black Pogba, for like a, a central midfielder to kind of live up to that ninety million, hundred million price tag because 
essentially they'd have to do everything and in this today today's day and age like systems are there for a reason they don't want players to do everything they want people to kind of be specialized and kind of focus on their roles um and it's very rare that you have a talent that can do kind of everything anyway um so yeah i don't know i feel like i i, I haven't seen anything from this kind of international break where i'm like oh my god dude like no like I don't, I don't want this type of midfielder. I just my only fair for him is that we don't buy him, and he's the only piece we have. And he's like, okay, Judas got to turn around this kind of Liverpool kind of um, like form or bad period. Like we need to put pieces around him so that he's able. To yeah, money mace needs to come, man. <laughs> money mace, <laughs> <laughs> man, like Mason Mount, you know. Um, yeah, we can get onto that, Mason Mount. How, how do you think that would work? With him and Ben in the middle, because I'm not too sure. Because I feel like Mount wants to do kind of the same things in terms of he wants to be this goal scorer midfielder. He wants to link up with the attack. I, like I think he's he wants to neglect his first and like middle phase kind of roles more than Benlam does. So I, I'm not too sure about that. That midfield, mm, I'm not too sure, Mike. Do you know what it is, Brad? I think we're trying. So we you need to move past what you what you see these players doing now and think about what they potentially can do in the future. Because a lot yeah. of the midfielders we signed, like, for example, Gini Manaldon, when we sign him, he's playing most of his football on the left for Newcastle. All of a sudden, he becomes this combative all-action number eight for Liverpool who can score goals in the big games. And I just think that often we might see a player um, or the, the club might see a player and, and before they can mould them into something. And I really do feel like the club are going to try and, if we do sign Mason Mount, and I, and I do think we will, I think they're going to try and mould him to a Lallana. And what Lallana was for us was an all-action pressing number eight who could score goals. And I think Mason has shown enough at Chelsea to suggest that he can be defensively diligent enough to contribute in maybe the defensive phase, um, as well as the middle and, and, and final phase. And just and just he's, he's shown he can be tactically intelligent. And I just really do think there is potential for him to be moulded into a Lalana type player for us. And I actually think he's a bit more robust than Lalana. Lalana probably has better feet, but he's a bit more robust than Lalana, a bit more dynamic than Lalana. I just see a lot of potential for him as a player who's tactically intelligent to be moulded into something quite unique and quite special for us. And so I think it works. Who's, who's, who's compromising their game in that midfield? But bro, do you know what it is? So when you think about I think Jude, I think Jude's Jude's the sort of player that I think can again look, he's 19. I think he can pick his moments to go forward because I actually just think the middle phase stuff he does in terms of winning draws, the combative side of things. And he, I don't think anyone needs to, the point I'm trying to make is I don't think anyone needs to sacrifice anything. I think you can, those two playing together can work because I think both of them have shown tactical intelligence that they can basically, I just feel like they can play off each other. You know, some people at one point, maybe Mason Mount's dropping a bit deeper and doing the middle phase bits and, and Drew's able to go forward. I think there is that, I think there is that ability to make that work. And people are talking about in, in our group chat about Madison. And I think Madison has never shown that ability to maybe do any number eight stuff well enough, in my opinion, in terms of tactical discipline. And I think Mason's actually shown it. Um, so I honestly think it could work, man. I think, especially in a lot of the games we play, we're going to dominate most of the ball anyway. And mm. we've seen it before, bro. Like the midfield that he, the manager tries to go with sometimes, it's a proper, it's like, it's, I think it's like, it, the midfield we played against United, for example, where we played Henderson, Elliot, and Fabinho, there's every chance you could plug Mason Mount into Elliot's role and Bellingham into, into Henderson's role, and you could you could see that working out in that. Uh, I'm would not have to his, bro, Bellingham would have to pick his moments. Our fullbacks bomb forward. Well, they used to bomb forward. I don't know about them now, but our fullbacks bomb forward and Henderson would cover space for Trent or whatever. And like they would bomb and bomb and get forward. But those midfielders, they, they want to run into space. They want to get forward and join the attack. So I think something would have to compromise. Maybe you told the fullbacks not to get forward as much. Or, but bro, we're know. ready. See, I think we're ready. So like people are thinking that this is Liverpool 2018 to 2020. But Liverpool have changed already, bro. So Liverpool... Henderson doesn't really cover for Trent anymore. That's not really a thing. So whenever people play, whenever whoever plays on that right-hand side, their job description isn't really to cover for Trent, which is part of the reason why Trent's been, at times, exposed this season. Elliot doesn't cover for Trent when he plays down that side. And I think Henderson doesn't really cover for him either. Like, we saw it against Real Madrid at times. He wasn't really covering it for him. So I think we are trying to change the way we play. And I think part of that might be, for example, Trent's... A lot of Trent's players isn't overlapping. A lot of Trent's players 
in the first phase of the build-up and in the middle phase, he's able to maybe play those long diagonal balls. But he's, I, I, when was the last time you saw Trent make an overlapping run and get a crossing? I can't remember seeing that for a long time, really. Everton game maybe yeah. stands out on a, on a transition. But Trent, when he, we played under, like in the kind of title winning season and, and uh, Champions League season, he would constantly make those, out, those runs outside and get crosses in. That's not really part of his game anymore. A lot of his, his, his assists this season have come from deeper. The one against Wolves um, at Anfield in the FA Cup for Darwin and the one against Newcastle for Darwin at, at, at their place. Both of those are Trent playing passes from deep. And I think ultimately what we're trying to do now is have Trent control games from a bit deeper and our midfield and our, and, and our midfielder who plays on the right-hand side is an attacking midfielder. He's someone who's trying to get into the box and score goals. Um, and I think doing that with better personnel like Jude, and Jude actually has the legs to maybe occasionally get back to cover for Trent, I think it would work well personally, but I don't know what your thinking is. Yeah, do you know what it is? I feel, I agree with that point because I feel like Trent is more playing that kind of inverted kind of fullback now where it's like he goes into midfield or whatever, or he goes like into a central position when we're atta- attacking. Um, he doesn't really do that overlapping thing. They kind of, Henderson and Seller kind of rotate or Elliot and Seller kind of rotate. But I don't know, I feel like, and maybe I've watched a bit too much on Chelsea, but like, I feel like you're kind of underestimating how much Mason Mount does not like doing his defensive duties. Um and maybe it's a thing where Klopp can kind of change him and mould him to kind of something um, that, like, obviously, like you said, Lallana or these type of players that kind of have that, or Genie that kind of have this kind of defensive kind of mind and whatever. But, like, when I watch Mount, I just feel like he really wants to join the attack. He really wants to kind of link up the attackers. He really wants to kind of be involved in that kind of final third play um, a bit too much for me to kind of, I don't know, trust him in that kind of eight role with Bellingham. And whatever CDM that's playing with them, God help them because it would have to be an absolute monster <laughs> to kind of play Ben Bro, bring me a bring me that Agate kid. That Agate kid looks nuts. Bro, it would have to be like even Kaiseido, it would have to be someone like that who can cover ground at a crazy um amount. So um yeah. And I mean another player that also is in that kind of mode, um he played well for I thought played well for Ukraine, obviously is, is James Madison. I've seen some like tentative reports to him. Um, this kind of window. And I'm Jimbo Madison's biggest fan in terms of like, I really, really like him on the ball. I think he's got so much quality. Like when he's on the ball, he's always forward thinking and he's not very quick, but he can get past play of like a shimmy or a feint. And I feel like he's, his final pass is almost always perfect. It's like almost always perfect. He's got a good eye for a shot. Um, and yeah, I just feel like he's a really, really bright player. Um, the only problem with him is that, like you said, it's the kind of, especially in our system where we play a 4-3-3, is he kind of um, tactically flexible enough to play this eight for us in terms of, and we know how we kind of play it. Is he is he tactical flexible enough to kind of, you know, get back, do his defensive work? I'm not too sure how it would fit. Um, unless we would want to change to a kind of 4-2-3-1. I don't really, I don't really see us change to a 4-2-3-1 in the near future, to be honest, with the way Klopp's been hammering this 4-3-3 down, even playing Nunes into a left wing role, Gakpo into like a striker role. I don't really see him change to a 4-2-3-1 in the future, but I do love James Madison. Big shout out to him, but I don't know. In the system, I'm not too sure. What do, what do you think? Do you know what? I think for Madders, if, you, if we sign him, we have to change his, his shape a bit. So it would have to be like, yeah. we're playing maybe like two eights and he's the 10 who plays in between the lines. And look, that could be an, a welcome change. Maybe you have like him playing playing through balls in for Darwin and Salah, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, I just don't really see... I don't, I don't know. I feel like James Madison would become like an option for us. So I don't see how he would start every week for us. Or like, for example, if, I think if we sign Mason Mount, put it this way, I think Mason Mount would be the sort of player that he plays the big games and he's, he will definitely split fans. Like, we fans that hate him and fans that love him. But I think I can imagine we sign Mason Mount and he starts every big game for us. Whereas I can imagine we sign Madison and like, there might be like four, a spell of three or four games where you don't really see him. Then he comes in for a bit and does really well. Like I just don't see how. That's a clock thing, though. I, I think that's more a clock thing. I think he definitely. Nah, has bro. The I just think you can't commit to having that kind of player. That number, t- like, just how many t- top teams play with number ten? Like, I don't think we can commit to having, like, for example, suppose you're going away to the Etihad and you're playing James Madison number ten. Like, I just. I think you'd want like bodies in there and players that can scrap a bit, and I think but, Mason can do that. I think if, I if he had like. I fair, fair enough. I do hear that, but then like, 
I don't think he's a passenger on on the other side like at all because I hear it, man. you know what I'm saying like Odig would you say Odegaard is indu- industrious as well um Bernardo Silva's industrious but they also Odegaard's like, got a bit more like a, a bit more dynamism I think than than the Madison I think Madison's more of like a, a glider like he's like a Coutinho type player Mm, I hate you. Know what I mean, I, like he's 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 a, he's a he's a jinky jinky player, man. Let's not let's not let's yeah, not yeah, ourselves, No, he definitely is a jinky jinky player, but he's not like he's not a net negative. Like you're not carrying him on on the on the other side. Um, it's just whether it, you I find a system it. to kind of um to kind of what's it called to kind of negate him and whatever to kind of fit him in. And eventually, I've always said that if we're gonna have to play Darwin Nunes um through the middle, we're gonna have to play a ten eventually. But Obviously, I'm, I'm not too sure Klopp's ready to kind of forego that kind of 4-3-3, but hey, I, I would love Madison, but I just don't know where he fits in this current time. Do you know the one thing about Madison that, look, I, I think the first thing I'll say is Madison's clearly a better footballer than Mason Mar. I don't think there's anyone who watches football knows like Madison's technical ability, striking on the board, where he receives it on a half turn. Like Madison's a better player, but I just think Mason's a bit more tactically intelligent and could be moulded into an Alana type. And I don't think the same can be said of Madison. Oh, you keep this Lana type. This Lana type, it, it's, 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 it's like a year or so. It's not bro, a... listen, the Lana was special for us, brother, man. Let me, yeah, I need, I bro. I need the Lana region in the team, bro. I need the remontada. I need the second coming of the Lana, bro. I'll be real with you. Like, do you know what annoys me about this Lana thing is because it was in a period where we were like, we were so not. We were so like flimsy, like we we're exciting team to watch or whatever, but we'd concede goals. Like... Don't blame Adam for that, bro. He was he was doing this thing, bro. Bro, but we wasn't a serious team when we had Adam and the team, bro. Like, you know, it's... but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. It's one to watch, definitely for sure. I think we definitely need a homegrown player, so I definitely see us buying at least one of them for sure. But it's just whether he would bring in with them because I think there's a lot of like Ox is gonna go, Milner's gonna go, um. I don't know what's going to happen with Curtis and, and Fabio Cavallo, but oh yeah, Fabio Cavallo, you know, Mike. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't know for him, you know. Like now, I'm saying this, like where do you, he he might bro. be going loan? This like it doesn't seem like a Klopp signing. If I'm being you know truly what, honest, he doesn't feel like a Klopp signing. So I just feel like like who bought him because I don't see where he fits in a team. I don't. He's not strong enough to play a nine. He's not industrious enough to play an eight. He's not quick enough to play like on the left wing. So. I don't know, man. He's just... He's, uh, bro, I, I I'll be real. I, I think there are two options for him. He either gets sold or he gets sent on loan because think about it this way, right? So this is a player that can play on the left or can play number 10. He yeah. has been fit, fully fit and available while Jota and Cover and, and Diaz were out. And not once, apart from the idea he had in the cup game, was he selected to play out on the left, bro. Yeah. Klopp doesn't rate him. He's just not a fan of the kid. He doesn't seem like bro, a top silent. Like, he because he's getting attributes, off the bench. His attributes, he doesn't make the bench, bro. He doesn't actually make the bench. Right. <laughs> he doesn't make, go, honestly, he doesn't make the bench. And it's not a slight on him. It's just that what we know of a Klopp kind of player in those kind of positions. So, like, as, like, a, a forward, normally the forwards are kind of quick. Um, they're either bagsmans or, like, they're kind of careers or, like, you know, they're kind of industrious. They're high-intensity, um, high-octane. Or if you play eight for us, I don't know, if you play eight for us, then it's either you're super creative, um, kind of like a Thiago or Elliot, or you're industrious like a Milner or kind of Henderson. And it just doesn't really fit any of those kind of modes. He's more like a... I can kind of compare him to like maybe like a Brennan Johnson, but like someone who's not as aggressive as like a Brennan Johnson type of player. I don't know. Like he's just one of, he's in between like a, like a, he's an in between type of forward. I don't know. He's weird. Bro, do you know what it is as well for me? I just think next season, okay, supposing our front our front five options are Luis Diaz, Gapo, um, Nunez, Salah, and Jota. And then yeah. you have, you supposed to be signing three more midfielders and we sell Cater. Chamberlain. I just don't see where he gets his games basically because we're gonna have a new midfield, a new revamped midfield, and like this fully fit front five who are all really talented players. I just don't see where he gets his games. So yeah. I think it's either we loan him or actually I, I I wouldn't be surprised by the way if we sold him. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if we just said, you know what, hasn't worked out. Yeah, you know, wish you all the it, best yeah. and just cut your losses. And the kid is talented for sure. Like his goals um, this season, I think one against Bournemouth, 
um, the one Newcastle last minute. Like he's he's super composed in the goal against Man City. He's definitely composed in the box, like, and he's got some. He's got a great finish. He's got a nice touch. So I can definitely see him making it. It's just I'm just not really too sure what the plan was when we bought him. Bro, like, do you know, I'm, I'm, it's one of those where you decide a talented player, a young player. Yeah, and you just you can kind of see them fitting in, but you just want to because you believe in their talent, you want to sign them. And I guess it might be that we've seen them in training or we've seen him close up in games and just thought, oh, I don't know, you're not you're not ready yet, sort of thing. And and obviously now he's gonna he's gonna fall way behind the pecking order now, given what we're gonna do in the summer. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and another couple of players that I think were playing international break. Van Dijk playing for Holland. I think they got absolutely paced by France. Was it like 4-0 or something like that? Um, obviously, Ibe, Ibe Kanati was playing for France in, in that match as well. Um, I think what France... France also... I think they beat Ireland 1-0. I think Ibe's got, Ibe's got two clean sheets. And I was just thinking earlier, like... Bro, they were talking about Saliba. <laughs> they are talking about... You know that Jujuski movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ain't gonna work. Nah. Ain't gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, um, but, I mean, he's Saliba's a good first tr- third choice, though. I mean, I hear it. You know what I'm saying? If, yeah, if man, good Mancano, yeah, good backup. Good backup. I hear it. But good kid, um, man. Good kid. I think so. Kanate got, I think, two clean sheets. Um, international break, and he looked like so good for France with Upamecano as well. Upamecano, by the way, he's had a solid season. Like yeah, a lot of people slammed Upamecano. He's him. had a solid season. I feel like he's sort of coming of age. But um, yeah, I was just thinking to myself, like the amount of like work and kind of thing, like things we put our centre-backs through. And for France, he just seems so comfy. Like he seems back to his normal self. But for, for Liverpool against Bournemouth, this guy's sliding around the place. He's having to chase Dominic Solanke around the bloody the ground. Like, And I'm just thinking like, it's it's amazing what a good setup can do. Because all of a sudden, especially in the World Cup as well, look how good Konate looked for France. Um but yeah, I just feel like we're working on centre backs too much. You can tell they've got no protection by midfield, and like he's constantly having to be involved in one v one actions. He's constantly having to be involved in last ditch tackles. You know what I'm saying? Having to save the team, sweep round Van Dijk. But a good setup, and all of a sudden, Kanai looks looks imperious again. Bro, he's just a serious player, and I was, I, I, I've been saying to you, maybe I even said it on Bantics that I think he's our best centre back right now. Like top yeah. in current form, I don't think there's really much of a conversation the guy there's not one department where he's like I feel like he's weak he's good on the ball like much better on the ball than people give him credit for yeah solid unbelievable in the air 1v1 not many people beat him just an all-round complete centre-back really so yeah I'm not surprised to see that the the manager Deschamps sees him and and Upamakana as the ones like Saliba's good but I think Saliba has like one big flaw in his game in that he's not very good in the air and I don't think you can say the same is, with Kanata where is, is like aerial jewels like there was one game where like he competed for 10 aerial jewels I think it was Brentford and lost all of them oh shit and like his, his general shit. numbers I think if I just take a look on FB ref now as you're, as you're as we're talking probably like numbers the aren't yeah, like, like he's, 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 50s, then it's not good. And like, look, Saliba's obviously like Saliba's the centre back in the world that reminds me of Messi Van Dijk. Like he's obviously really good, but I think like his 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 like yeah, aerial jewels forty. He's in the forty four percentile for aerial jewels. So like he's like Gomez level for aerial jewels. You know, you know maybe talk about Gomez being bad in the air. Yeah, like, he's he's that level bad in the air. But like he's still a good player. But I think Canati hasn't got like that kind of weakness. That there's nothing you can point to at Canati and be like, oh, like he's not that good at that. Maybe on the ball it could be a bit better, but like I think on the ball he's still really, really good. So, yeah, man, complete centre back. Yeah, for sure. And if he stays fit again, he's a very crucial chance him to end up us like kind of achieving any sort of like European um, competitions this year in terms of us getting for top four. I feel like he needs to stay fit. But talking of our best centre back, um, yeah, there's been as always oh, there's been bro. a lot of slander. The talk has been too spicy, bro. On Van Dyke's name, and it's nice. weird because it's coming from the maddest angles. Like, you know, when you're down, yeah, you have ops that you don't even realize that you have. <laughs> like, you know, like the ops, that you're, the ops that you're like, okay, cool, those are my ops. But then all of a sudden, all these ops from other places that you find out like they don't hate you, like Van de Van de Vaart hates him, bloody Rude Gillett is coming for him, Van Basten's coming for him. Like, what? <laughs> Van Basten, Bro, the, the maddest pepper <laughs> that he got recently was the Rio Ferdinand thing because Rio was doing a YouTube thing with him. Like doing yeah. big friend of him, oh yeah, bro, I rate you. Yeah. yeah, on BT, I know he's I know he's dropped him a little WhatsApp message. Yeah, oh, yo, Virgil, come on the show. 
And all of a sudden, Rio's dropped a mad dagger at him, said something like, oh, if you look at all the top centre-backs in the world, like in history, like John Terry, etc., they never really had like big dips. And I'm thinking like, wait, hold on, brother. We've got the tapes here. Like, we saw you get killed by Bellamy. (laughs) Bro, we saw it. Like, like that, that was a dip that season. You played like 16 league games. And when you played, you were getting killed by guys like Bellamy. Like, we've got the tapes here. Like, Terry definitely know, had some man. bad seasons for sure. Bro, John Terry, oh, when the line really. shifted up under AVB, they started playing a high line. He was slipping all over the place. There's one yeah. game where they play a high line against Arsenal and he slips and, and Van Persie gets in and scores. Like, we have the tapes here. Like, there's no I, 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 I know when Benitez was manager, he didn't like John Terry as well. Bro. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, he had one bad season. Ferdinand at QPR was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen in my lifetime. Scary, um, <laughs> that was one of the worst defenders I've ever seen in my lifetime. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's so funny. Um, and to be honest, we, me, I think me and you have been quite like, honest. Like, when we've ever talked on band takes or on the group chats, like, like he deserves some criticism, definitely for sure. Um, because this season he has been up to it. And you're one of Liverpool's best players. You're meant to be the best player, best defender in the world. And yeah, I guess you kind of have to hold that um, in terms of getting criticism because you do deserve it. But I don't know some of the ones where it's just like um, he doesn't take responsibility, he doesn't claim the ball and pass it. It's very picky because when you guys were winning, when Netherlands were having this unbeaten long streak, or when Liverpool were winning Champions League, Premier League, you guys weren't saying this. And this has always been a feature of Van Dijk's game. Van Dijk's never been one to kind of break the lines of his passing. He's got that kind of that clip, that diag that he loves playing, and that's been a useful tool for us. Um, e.g., the Mane goal against Bayern Munich. Um, so, like, you know, what I'm saying when when Netherlands and Liverpool are winning, it's all good. His passing's fine, like he's great on the ball. But then when Netherlands are losing, it's, he doesn't take responsibility. He passes the ball to someone else. He's not good in build up. Blah blah blah. But that's been his game the whole time. <laughs> Why are you just saying it now? Like, I don't know. I just I felt like all the other criticism is fine, but I think that was just a very cheap dig. Yeah, bro, it was weird, like, because Van Dijk has never been the sort of guy that you look at in the first phase and think, oh my gosh, he's unbelievable. No. Like, he's got the diag, the diag is good. Like, look, the diag that he plays to, to, to Robertson or to Trent, whoever it is, is solid. He used to play to Mane all the time. We love that. But he's never been the sort of player that you get him in, he gives sees of the, of the goalkeeper and he's fizzing it through the lines. And for them to criticise him for that as if it's something new was just a bit like, guys, this has always been Van Dijk. He's never been the guy to visit through the lines. And that's fine, by the way, because we have Gomez at his best could do it really, really well. I think Canati does it really well right now. And Matip's I think Matip's the best in the world. Yeah. literally the best in the world at fizzing it through the lines at centre-back. So Van Dijk's never really needed to be that guy, you know? So it's just a bit of a weird one for me. And I think the things that have worried me about Van Dijk aren't about him fizzing it through the lines. It's about his anticipation. It's about his defending on the turn. It's about his just general laid-back demeanour. Those are the things I think we can criticise him for. But don't criticise him for things that he never did, even at his best, because that's just disingenuous. And also stuff like the Rio Ferdinand thing, to go back to that, don't make up stuff. Like, you guys, at your best, you had dips. When he was at United, you could talk about QPR days. Bro, when he was at United, he had dips, Ferdinand. And so did John Terry at Chelsea. So... Let's not try and reinvent history to try and like discredit Van Dyke because you can. I think he deserves criticism, but it should all be be within reason. Yeah, sure. I definitely agree with you. And it's not like I'm not coming to defend Van Dyke. It's not that at all. I was just kind of surprised at what they said. But let's talk about Van Dyke. I guess a lot of people are talking about kind of how he's kind of washed or like he's kind of coming to the end of his like um, I don't know prime or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. Like I think with Van Dyke, in my personal opinion, I think he's definitely. I would say he's definitely on the decline for me. But what I would say with him is that, like, at 78% of Van Dyke and in a good system, I think he's still playing for another two, three years calm at this level, like, very easy. Um, it's just that we've had such a bad system. He gets no protection. He's having to constantly run back to his own goal. And I've always said, like, if you get these defenders in 1v1 situations, I don't know, like, seven, eight times a game, you're going to see them get ripped. Like, that's just the law of averages. Even a Kanata, who's kind of very strong at duels, you're going to eventually see them get ripped. Like, it's the Premier League, you know. Attackers are lightning quick. Like, you, you go to Brentford and you get outpaced by Mbwemo. You go to Leeds and you get ripped by Gonto. Like, you know what I'm saying? Everyone's got bloody tricky, like, players. And it's just how it is. But 
our in our in our best and at our best systems, and we never used to kind of let our defenders get one v one. They would hold them up, they would jockey them, and then they'll get kind of support. But they're not getting that. So I feel like once we kind of have a better system, obviously he will improve. But at the moment, that obviously I will say there are definitely some things that concern me in terms of like I feel like he's definitely slower or he doesn't want to sprint as much. And we're seeing it, especially like that and Burmo kind of thing. Like you all say, it scares you. Um, the goal that we conceded against Bournemouth, he didn't want to keep up with that winger, Utara. So he just kind of stopped and then he kind of crossed the ball. But um, yeah, and if, if you're going to get slower, then you're going to kind of ha- have, have to kind of st- drop back maybe three or four yards or you're going to have, gonna have to anticipate um, your position a bit better. So um, yeah, like you said, I think <clears throat> there's definitely some moral traits in terms of like him kind of defending on the turn, running back to his own goal and just being like, more dominant because the Man City game that I always bring this up, Man City then game that we won um, this season when obviously we beat them one 0 against Haaland and against Man City attackers, he was so dominant. Like he was just winning his duel, like unapologetically winning his duels, clearing everything. And then I feel like when I watch him this season, he's just not that same dominant defender. Like in terms of like, I don't think like he doesn't lose his duels, but he's just not as like what's the word? Like people are just not bouncing off him anymore. So I don't know. I just feel like maybe that's confidence as well, but. Yeah, what's what's your opinion on Van Dijk? What's worrying you or concern you about him? Mike, you there? Um, my my bad. I was on mute, bro. Sorry. I was yeah, just no saying, worries. the things that worry me about his game are just it's mainly the, the anticipation and the defending on the turn. Because one of the things that you used to say about Van Dijk was that. You rarely see him make a tackle because he never needs to make a tackle. Like he would always anticipate, he would always be like a few steps ahead and anticipate and yeah. read the game. And often I'm just seeing him do a lot of last ditch stuff. And often he's at the scene of a crime where he hasn't done what he needed to do. And now he's having to cover and now he's at the scene of the crime and 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 the team score a goal. And you kind of see him in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um and like the defender, I just, I just think the defender on the turns is a worry for me because previously teams would be like, I'm not really going to target Van Dijk's side because, you know, look, if we get our winger 1v1 with him or our striker 1v1 with him, Van Dijk's usually quite comfortable in situations. But I actually think now, you know, teams are fancy their chances against him because he isn't comfortable defending against quick wingers. Like, they, they beat him sometimes, you know, and it's a... Uh, look, I'm not saying every single time a quick winger comes up against him, they're killing him. Like, we're not talking... that He's still able to compete in those duels, but I feel like now he's more vulnerable in those situations. And I think yeah. for him, he needs to remodel his game a bit to kind of understand that, look, he has declined to some extent physically. Like, he's still, like, he's not slow, but he's not as quick as he was where he could keep up with, like, a Son or, like, a, an Mbappe or whoever it might be. There, there are plenty of clips where he's had his quick wingers go up against him and he's won the ball off them. I don't think he, could, he can do that anymore. Like, if a winger does try and sprint past him, and it's a super as well about like Mbappe or Son type, they're gonna probably get past him. So he needs to, I think, remodel his game with that in mind. And then maybe we as a team need to understand that look, Virgil is not the Virgil of 2018. Mm. There are times where he might need a bit of cover down that side, you know, in terms of Robertson maybe tucking in sometimes um to help defend against a particular wing who's in that half space. So yeah, man, I think just more than anything, I think the anticipation will come back because I think that's a that's like a sharpness and alertness thing. But I think the defending on the turn thing to me feels more of like a this is like a long term issue. Like that's a, that's an issue where like he's as a centre back who's what thirty one. He's he going to adapt. Yeah, he has to adapt right? slightly to that because so I, I think he is entering a new phase of his career. So he's had the his peak where he was physically the most dominant centre back, could do everything in terms of defending. There were no question marks. Now it's like okay. I'm not as quick as I was three, four years ago. How do I adapt my defending to make sure that wingers in the channel aren't like beating me or aren't going past me? Yeah, I mean, this is normal as well. Like, Mother Nature obviously catches up with everyone. Like, I bet you're gonna, your physical abilities are gonna decline when you're getting older. And you also had a long term injury. And after that long term injury, we played him every single game the next season. So um, it's gonna be natural, but it's just obviously him kind of having to kind of you know, accept that he's not the quickest, like, whatever player in world football anymore. Uh, he's not going to have to... He can't keep up with the Adama of this world and Mbappé's of the world anymore. And like you said, his anticipation is just going to have to get better. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's just kind of his ways. Hopefully, when the team gets better, he'll kind of get better and he'll kind of adapt his body. But for sure, I feel like... I mean, we have, like, one of the most impressive, like, athletically dominating 
defenders next to him and Kanate. So um, I think Kanate can sweep around and kind of Van Dijk can kind of impose his game to be the one that kind of steps up a bit more and kind of engage with the striker a little bit more or whatever. And Kanate sweeps around behind him. But um, yeah, I think we've, we've definitely got a centre-back problem, Mike. We need to buy a centre-back. Bro, we need to. I've been, <laughs> been talking about this Ndika guy. Have you seen much of him, bro? This Ndika Who? Guy. Ndika, Ndika, the one that we've been linked no, I haven't to. seen much of him. I just know he's, he's on a free... But I haven't seen much of him. It says in the Germany. Back three tax is always a worry. He looks he looks decent to be fair. Little bits I've watched. He looks okay. Um but I don't see him be being our next centre back. Yeah, I don't see him being our next centre back for the next ten years or something like that. He just the one I like is Colwell, in. man. You like Colwell? Chelsea. I like him. You haven't Chelsea, him. Yeah. yeah, he looks really good. Really, really good. Um on the ball. I, that game against us, he had Seller and Padlock. Padlock and Key. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, he looks really good. There's a couple of them. There's Lukiba from Leon, left footed as well. He looks really good. Um, there's another player, Scalvini at at Atlanta, left footed. Um, I just I feel like we need a, a centre back that can play in that left centre back kind of role. Um, and I feel like you see when you have a left footed centre back, it opens up angles because I feel like yeah. especially when we're playing out from the back, it's the right centre back that always receives it and that angle trend as well. Like teams can shut off now. But then I feel like you're seeing it with like Man United obviously overpaid to get Lissandra Martinez. But when he plays that centre back for them, all of a sudden the angles are open up. Now you can kind of hit Rashford or they can go to the other side and hit Anthony. But like, that's why I feel like we just need a left side centre back. Like, even with Gabriel, like Arsenal targeted Gabriel so much because of that kind of left footed, um, having a left footed centre back. Obviously, they need to be stronger than normal the fundamentals of defending as well. But like, having that left footed centre back, I just feel like is, is very key. Um, and it would help us as well, like just open up angles. But yeah, I think definitely need um, a centre back. Matip, I think probably done now. We're either going to sell him this season or he's going to go on a free next year. Um, and yeah, Gomez, I just feel like he's just getting into that territory where he's just kind of like a defender who makes quite a lot of mistakes. Yeah, man. I just, I think the point you make about a left side centre back is important because, like, I will say, I've been saying it for a while. I actually just think a left footed centre back. Who can maybe play at left back sometimes will be a nice, yeah, nice yes. for us to have. Like you know, when, you know the way City use Ake, where yeah, yeah. Ake will occasionally when they need when they need to keep it a bit tight in the game, they'll play Ake, and they'll know that Ake, like, look, he's not going to bomb forward or anything, but he can he can do bits going forward, but mainly he's going to dare be there to help us defend a bit. I think it'd be nice to have our version of that. Our version of a player who can play left back. Even Lissandro does that as well. Lissandro can play yeah, left exactly, back. Bro. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that would be a valuable tool to have. It helps us tactically in games. So, but I'm all for it. I think a left-sided centre-back helps us in the build-up in the first phase. I'm I'm, I'm fully here for it. I think Colwell's a good fit, but I don't... To be fair, I don't see how Chelsea will sell us Mount and Cole in one summer unless they're moving a bit nuts because you're sending us two very valuable and talented English players in one summer. I think that that would be unheard of um, really if they did that but it wouldn't I mean it wouldn't surprise me with Chelsea given they probably need to kind of balance the books for FFP reasons but yeah Cole would be would be he seems to me from like in terms of the fee in terms of the profile of the player the homegrown quota as well I think he'd be my number one choice really another one I really like um, Guavada Guavada I'm not really sure about him for the fee that's required, bro. Oh, okay, because the fee is required, okay. The fee's a bit, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Don't, I'm, I like him, though, but, like, the fee's just a bit nuts, like... It's excessive, 90, it? Obviously, 90 we, 90 million, and when you're talking about Liverpool, yeah, when you're talking about Liverpool, it's like, we don't have that type of money, but bro, he's definitely, like, he would, be, he would fit the mould for sure. Bro, exactly, but, Jude, like, you, you can't go, you can't, you probably can't sign Jude and Guavidal yeah. in the same summer. Like, listen, we're not... We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet, man. Honestly, we're not there yet as a club. You know so. who I really like, and I feel we missed kind of the boat on is Badashile. Like, yeah, I really, man. really like him. Like, left footed, tall, like quick, comfortable. Yeah, like good. that, he looks really, really good. And then, yeah, you know, he I like that. Kim, 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 at Napoli. I like him a lot. Yeah, him. He's I good. Think he looks he's good. Really good. To be fair. There's op- there's bro, there's options. There's plenty of yeah, options. There's, there's options. no there's no reason why we can't sign at least one centre back this summer. I think there's plenty of options, some cheap, sure. some not so cheap, but there's plenty of options. For sure, for sure. Um yeah. And I guess we have to go back to, we have to kind of focus it back on, on Liverpool. Um we're playing this Saturday against Manchester City, I think at the Etihad, twelve o'clock kickoff. Not very good. Our record in twelve o'clock kickoffs are atrocious. I don't think we've won one this year. I don't think so. We definitely um, have, no. bro. Yeah. Everton, Drew, Chelsea, 
Um, Drew lost to Bournemouth. Who else we lost to? Drew to Fulham. Uh, Man said, who else we lost to? <laughs> Northern Forest, we lost to. Yeah, Northern Forest, that was a 12 o'clock kickoff as well. Um, yeah, it's peak, bro. Like, it's so... That 12 o'clock kickoff where Rooney said that these footballers are shoving that pasta down their their, their mouths at 9 o'clock, they, they, they don't like it, bro. <laughs> they don't like it. It doesn't work for us, bro. That camera likes the BT on us, Klopp doing that early kind of interview. We seem to struggle. We always seem to struggle. And just going to Etihad at that time, I don't know, man. I don't know. But at the same time, we seem to plan to play well in these kind of big games this season. We beat Tottenham. We beat uh, Man United. He also beat, um, also beat, or he drew Chelsea. Um, I don't know. We seem to play well in these big games in the Premier League. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know what to kind of expect from this from this Liverpool side. Bro, it's a season-defining week. I think I really do believe that because I think I, th- I personally think we need to get a minimum of seven points from this run of games to be in with a shout of top four. I think four points would be okay. Like four points is not the I end think of the four world. Points is enough. Tottenham just said Conte, you know. Tottenham just said Conte. So I hear it. Could be there. But but I just feel like we're already we're already we're already playing catch up, right? So Tottenham's next three games are very easy. Like the sort of games where you can get through them with like a new manager bounce type thing. So they have Mm -hmm. let's just double check it. They got. Uh, they, they, they came. It's just gonna be one one them ones where Kane can just carry them through the next. Yeah, man. So they play Everton away in the first game. That's a tough game to be fair. Everton at home have a good record under Sean Dyche. But you could see Tottenham winning that game, for example. You could easily see Tottenham coming away with that game with three yeah. points. You, so that's that's their, their their first game coming up. They have Bournemouth coming up as well. Oh, um, shit. You know, they lost. They lost last week, bro. I was so pissed. I think they lost to, I think they lost to Everton or someone. I don't know. They lost bro, to it was the most. It was, was Aston Villa. So... It was the most predictable yeah. thing ever. It was so bait they were going to lose that game. How did we lose to them? God damn. Bro, so bait we're going to lose that game. So they, 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 Tottenham's fixtures. So they got Everton away. Toughish game, but you wouldn't be surprised if they won that. They got Bryson at home. Again, toughish game, but you wouldn't be surprised if they won that. Then they have Bournemouth. I just feel like. Their games get tougher after that because they got Newcastle away, they got United at home, and then they got us. But I just feel like there's every chance from those that run of games that they have before they play Newcastle, they could pick up like seven points. And we're already playing catch up, so I just feel like if we if they were to get seven points and we got four, you know, like I don't know, man, I just I, four wouldn't be a disaster. I don't think it would be a disaster. But basically, this is a sort of run where we we can't lose all <laughs> we can't lose all three games. I think. Another reason why yeah, another reason why I think it's important is because the morale of this team. I think losing to like a yeah. Chelsea and, and City and Arsenal because they're teams that we have in the past competed with so well. I mean, we beat Arsenal all the time, really, and 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 Chelsea to a lesser extent. We we have dominated those games. Um, the fact that we would like lose to those kind of teams now would be like these guys thinking like, "Raw, like we're not actually levels anymore." So I think it's a pride thing as well, like losing to the teams you used to like beat or used to compete against would be a big blow. So yeah, man, I just think it's a really big week. I think City I'll take a draw all day long. All day long I'm taking a draw there. I and mean, I think you, you you hope and try and get the two wins in the games after that. Because I think Chelsea have improved on the Potter, but Still, they yeah, aren't they aren't amazing. And they're Arsenal at home, I think Anfield is... I'm always confident with the Anfield games, to be fair. Like, I do feel like against Arsenal, we'll do something. I think we'll win that game. Um, so, so yeah, man. Like just, I'm just hoping for good performances, man, because after the United game, I was gassed. I was thinking, you know what? We'll beat Bournemouth. I'm going to the international break full of like energy and life and ready to attack the last half of the season. But now I'm just like, just give me a good run of form. Like, Just give me some good games. I just... I just Bro, I don't know what to expect from this team anymore. Give me something. Not, said, not, just, just give, give me something, something bro. <laughs> Let me leave with something, bro. I don't, bro. I don't need a seven. I don't need a seven nil every week. Like these guys, seven nil United, fantastic. But just give me like you know, a little draw against City, maybe a little win against Chelsea and Arsenal. I'm not asking for too much. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm a reasonable you, guy. You know, so at this point, it's just one of them ones. But just, just a good run of form, like two, yeah, three games, man. just winning. Like, please, like it's not. It's, you know what I'm saying it's not too difficult. But I definitely hear you. I'll definitely be disappointed if, like, we kind of came away from Chelsea or Arsenal 
not at least winning one of them. Um, and or if we lost, like if we lost any of them, to be honest, because like you said, at Anfield was well, good as anyone at Anfield. You know what I'm saying? That kind of crowd really backs us. Um, and Chelsea as well. Chelsea have been horrible, like for most of the season. They've been well, they are ninth or tenth. Um, and they struggled to kind of score goals as well. So yeah, I'd definitely be disappointed. Etihad, boy, twelve thirty. I don't know. I'm not really expecting too much from that. Um, just in terms of team news, I know that obviously we. I don't think Thiago's really back for the game. He still seems to be struggling with a unknown injury as as usual. And Diaz is back in full training actually um, this week. I know you're a big Diaz fan, Mike, but like, what are you kind of like looking to kind of expect from Diaz? What what do you think he kind of brings to the team that we haven't had um, previously? And yeah, like, are you looking forward to Diaz returning? Definitely looking forward to him returning. You know, I'm a big Diaz fan. I think he's uh, one of those players that like he's got all the things I want. Maverick, Maverick, man. Maverick. <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> win you a game. Got a little, he, he, jinky majinky. He restores the feeling, man. He restores the feeling big time. But, bro, just... Wait, I think for, team, you know. Bro. Actually, now I think about it. It might suit him, bro. You know, this team is shit. So, Diaz, <laughs> give me the ball. Diaz, Diaz yeah, is yeah, the yeah. black, bro. Give me the fucking yeah, yeah. ball. Let me do something. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the, you know those ones that you guys you play with goals? I just give me the ball, bro. Just give me the ball. Let me do something. Let me yeah. just, let me bro, you just watch him by that three guys just twisted, yeah, turning, gets out of one. That's him. That's him. Top bins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, he's the sort of player that will thrive with the responsibility of dragging a crap team to, to glory, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's his bug. But, but bro, we might need him, honestly, because no, we, do. Like, just, we need that intensity, that fight, that tenacity it brings the quality. Oh, Jota's still looking scary. I'm sorry. Jota's still looking spooky. I can't. Oh, I can't. my goodness, bro. He's still some looking Jota's, spooky. Some of Jota's cameos. Oh, my goodness, bro. <laughs> He's scary. Why does he look enough. so bad? Bro, Post-injury Jota looks so bad. So you know bad. what killed me, bro? In the chat, I think everyone's been kind of quiet on Jota. And I think after the Madrid game, I asked guys, I, I was like, guys, like, where are you guys at on Jota? <laughs> I think Fahi just goes, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> bro, he has not looked good, man. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see, honestly. But yeah, Diaz, I'm excited for him to come back, man. He gives us something different. He's a maverick. He's got individual quality. He can win a game for you. So yeah, man, we need we need those kind of players. <laughs> Let's hope he can win us a game or something, bro, man. How are we at? Let's hope we can win us a game. Like, how are we at this point where it's just like, bro, bro this is where we are. Bro. Bro. <laughs> This is where we are, bro. Chuck him on. Let's hope we can win us a game type of flex. I hear it, There's man. no structure, bro. There's, Joe was talking to the chat only before become predictable. We haven't become, become predictable. What's there to predict? There's no <laughs> patterns of play. <laughs> There's no patterns of play to predict. This oh, is pure vibes. God. This is vibes that's, FC, bro. And that's why if people like Nunes and that, like, you have to put him left wing because, like, he he can at this moment in time. Like, he's athleticism, he's ability to kind of cause chaos, he's ability to kind of take risk. We need it because we haven't got a pattern to play. So, his individualism, his 1v1, like, kind of ability, bro, it's dragging us at the moment. And we just kind of have to kind of thrive off it. And hopefully, someone like Diaz can kind of um, help us. The budgetic injury, I don't think we talk about this on the pod, but that is kind of, I think that's kind of a blow, to be honest, because. It's just one of the ones where he has that kind of combativeness and he kind of has that athleticism that we kind of missed in this midfield. Whilst I don't think he's the best on the ball at all, um, he just has that kind of combativeness um, in, in that team that we're lacking. So, to be honest, I would like to see us kind of use, and this is going to sound weird, but I would like to see us use someone like even Chamberlain a bit more, um, KR to an extent, but I don't bro, see don't why Chamberlain weird? can't get what any minutes. Chamberlain, bro? Yeah, so just, it's very weird. I think it's really weird. So he's his last game, I think, meaningful start for us was the Brentford this is pre, game. Was... Pre Real Madrid, by the way, because he came on at Real Madrid, didn't he? Yeah, but the Brentford game, bro, he scores in that game and we never see him after that. I'm thinking, like, wait, hold on. We've seen worse. Wait, Brentford, when did he score against? Oh, yeah. Wait, January, no, the, the Brighton game. The Brighton game. Was that, wasn't that nah, his bro, last he game? Didn't... But you know, but I think the last game he started was Brentford, right? No, he started the Bryant game when we lost three. Did he? But bro, okay, yeah, bear in mind, okay, but we barely seen him. Yeah, I just we feel have, like we seen him. I feel like he's someone that could be could and should be starting more games in midfield for us, and that's a mad thing to say in twenty twenty three. But that's where we are because we haven't had anything, bro. Like we're literally starting midfield's games where we started Bajetic and Elliot. Like, and I get it, they're both two talented youngsters, but you're telling me someone like Chamberlain can't get looking. Um, Fabinho was, didn't make some squad sometimes. Henderson was on the bench sometimes, like. I mean, I'm not Chamberlain's biggest fan. Everyone that listens to Coppet knows that I'm not Chamberlain's biggest fan. But he's got something to offer us. 
You know what I'm saying? In this period of time where like we have nothing, he has at least a little bit of dynamism, a bit of like directness, maybe a an eye for a goal. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a bit strange for sure. Bro, we're down bad, you know. We're here questioning Chamberlain's <laughs> exclusion, bro. Like <laughs> I'm just steeping where we are as a team. It's actually bad. Bro, oh, pray for us, man. Dude. All I can say is, hey, listeners, just pray for us. Hopefully we get through this period of time. Um and yeah. I think I think that that's that's that's, that's been us um, here at Copen. Um, yeah, hope, follow us. Come back to um, us next week. Hopefully, we'll definitely have some Patreon pieces. We got a weekend preview coming up, and yeah, me and Mike. You never know. We've got Bantics, some a, a few Bantics um, pieces coming up as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's Bantics boys. So, yeah. Listen, we, we took we took the we took the call up today in the main pod. No one was around. We took the call up and we did our thing, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Jugging on them. But yeah, thanks for that, Mike. And peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.